Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with business executives and thought leaders about the market issues and technology trends impacting the world around us. As always, I'm your host, Larry Walsh. Um, impacting the world around us, it really has new meaning now, uh, as I like to call this, you know, business in the time of coronavirus. We are truly living through something that is unprecedented, that we've had epidemics or pandemics or even local viral outbreaks before that has you've caught the attention of the world. But coronavirus is truly disrupting the world in a way we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, as of this recording, somewhere more than 500 conferences around the world have been canceled or have been postponed. Uh, businesses are shutting down their operations. Uh, they're closing their offices and telling their people to work from home. And we've seen this a dramatic shift in, the, in travel where people simply just are not moving to go out to see customers or, uh, or visit places. And this is different. It's different because you know, you know, we know this isn't going to last forever. But in the interim, it's forcing businesses to change the way they think about how they conduct marketing and sales. And so I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to about this topic, about what is it that we need to be thinking about in terms of adjusting our, our marketing strategies and particularly our through-channel marketing strategies during this period of intense disruption. Uh, joining me to talk about uh, marketing and channels in the time of coronavirus is our good friend, Megan Sullivan, the head of global partner marketing and SME at SAP. So, Megan, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Larry. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today. Oh, uh, it's, it's our honor to have you here. So, Megan, let's start with this because it feels as though this has been a a a slow walk up to a fast run that we've seen this coronavirus coming at us now for a couple of months. And now that it's here, the wave has finally reached us. It feels like everyone is in a mad scramble to make adjustments. And particularly on the marketing side where we've been, this is the conference season. This is when we're all supposed to be out in the road, mingling and interacting and seeing everybody. So is, is the, how can you give us a sense from your perspective, the impact of coronavirus is having on, on channel marketing? Absolutely, Larry. I, I think you're right. The word intense and, you know, acceleration both come to mind across this whole topic. Someone asked me the other day, you know, what does your job look like and where do you spend most of your time? I'd say 95% of my day is encompassed right now around coronavirus, the impact to marketing, the tactics and strategies, and how do we make a shift right now, given your right conference season is like March, March 1st through the end of June. And so now that we have all these cancellations coming upon us from all different parts of the industry, what are we going to do to make up lost pipeline and demand generation that usually comes from these conferences? So it's it's a it's a huge topic. And as you know, I also sit right here in Palo Alto, California, which is one of the epicenters where, you know, companies are asking workers to work from home and don't travel and no one in a group more than 50 people. So it's, it's been fascinating, to say the least. Yeah. You know, let's let's talk about the remote part of this, because it, it just came across. I just got an alert that that Amazon and and Facebook are telling more employees to work from home. Um, last week, Microsoft announced that they were they were shuttering their headquarters campus in Redmond through the end of March. Uh, this is cascading across the industry. As you're scrambling to make these changes in your plans, how's it, what's it like to do that when you can't 
touch your people. Your people can't be together and huddle to make these adjustments in real time that they have to do it on a remote basis. So I think for, for us here at SAP, we may be at an advantage when it comes to that. You know, we work on a global team. Um, our workforce is largely dispersed throughout the globe, and many people already work from home. So we've had you know, years and years of practice of how do you keep a close, tight virtual team um, and interact with each other when you're not physically sitting across from each other. So from an SAP standpoint, from, from work from home, you know, I don't see any impact there. But I do, you know, I feel for companies that are dependent on teams being together in those cubicles, interacting all day long. I've talked to a lot of peers and friends and colleagues that they're having a hard time with that transition and just kind of getting that discipline and, and figuring out how to stay connected. So that's a real problem out there as well for many companies right now. Now, as we're, you know, you're like me, I'm, I'm talking with people all over the place and I'm hearing different levels of concern, different levels of impact. How real is the impact on, on the lost opportunity for these conferences that we're, we're all supposed to be at. Can we begin to gauge what this, you know, in a meaningful way, what it means to have to not just lose the event, but replace the pipelines that come out of them? So I think we're early days in terms of truly being able to measure what that looks like. And, you know, you and I have talked for years about marketing strategies, you know, traditional, non-traditional, new age, digital, kind of how that all looks. Um, I think time will tell over the next few months, and especially as a lot of these large companies are, are doing these efforts, um, what the real loss looks like. I think what it does do, though, and I know we're about to get into this conversation, but it is an acceleration to digital tactics. And how do you now replace those events with virtual and digital tactics uh, to make up pipeline? And I think time will tell how successful companies are in doing that. Before we get into that, let's let's talk about why we haven't done this. I mean, these these tools have been with us for a long time. We've we've you know we've been in the age of social marketing for several years. We've had the resources to do online outreach for for many years. The tools have not just been with us, but they continue to get better. Why now? Why haven't we done this before? What, is it just yeah. a route that you know that we're just so used to doing the things we've always done? Not necessarily. I think if you look at the most successful companies and our most successful partners, they've had a balance of doing both. So it hasn't been just do traditional, just do new. It's been part of that kind of where on the spectrum do you make that transition? And I'm finding uh, with some of our more successful partners and for SAP in general, leveraging all those tools and tactics from digital, you know, predictive analytics, intent-based marketing, account-based marketing, um, all of those types of tools are working tremendously. And it's, it, it's doing a great job bringing inbound digital marketing and sales into these companies. And then we can go out and nurture the leads and go after the customers. That's been a really great thing. Um, I think also, though, the channel in particular, especially the traditional channel, has always been highly dependent on events and in-person meetings and, you know, being out there face to face and establishing relationships has always been a key secret sauce of the channel. And so that's where I think this transition is going to accelerate. Where do we want to accelerate it to though? Because we're awash in information today. So you know, as one of the nice things about, about live events is that you have captive audiences or nearly captive audiences. I don't know about you, but I can tell you it's, it's, good sometimes just to be able to immerse yourself in other people to hear what they have to say to be able to have to have have real off-the-cuff conversations what you know go to a digital format whether it is you know 
through ABM, through what we used to call drip campaigns or through video, it, it loses some of that, that tactile, um, that tactile flavor. How do we, you know, what do we do now that, now that we have to go to a more digital footing? What's well, a great point. I mean, let's face it, human nature and how we interact with each other, nothing is ever going to replace a face-to-face interaction and the relationships that you can build with people. And at the end of the day, people do business with people that they trust and respect and admire and have built relationships with. So that's going to be the key part in all of this is how do you kind of maintain all of that kind of high-touch networking while at the same time you can't be out on the road right now and you can't be doing these large conferences. I don't think this is a permanent thing. You know, I, I, I don't believe we're saying we can't do any events at all and, you know, everything's out the door. Um, but I do think it's kind of a bump in the road and we need to figure out how do you make up for it while we kind of wait this out. And part of that, part of the reason why I say that is you look at China as an example, or, you know, they're months ahead of us in terms of Corona and the impact and when it hit. And we're already seeing some recovery over there in terms of, um, you know, how, how it's being handled and how businesses are being run. So I, I think, um, you know, we will get out of this. It's just kind of wait and see how long it takes. What are the lessons you're learning from China then? Because SAP does obviously a global company. You do have visibility, you do have presence in China. Is there any lessons that you've, you've already gleaned from their experience that you're able to pour to other regions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our China team did a tremendous job a few months back making that transition and figuring out, okay, we can't, we're going to lose this pipeline from this current event. So how do we make up virtually and digitally and what tactics do we put in place? So they very quickly made the shift to virtual events. They put in um, a whole bunch of digital marketing tactics to capture those pipelines and those customers online and bring them back in. Um, and we're learning a lot from how they did it, how quickly they did it, and some of the tools and tactics for it. Um, and I think, you know, the other part of it is you, you look at China, there's also a big supply chain impact, right? How quickly they get their factories back up and be able to get goods and services um, across the world. So that's the other part of it that um, the world is kind of waiting to see how fast we can recover from that as well. Yeah, that's, a, it's, you know, it's truly fascinating to see companies, um, different brands and manufacturers change their Change their footing on supply chains as a result of this. Uh, you know, you've read, I've read some stories about um, the car manufacturers stockpiling parts, you know, just in case they didn't, you know, they weren't able to uh, to source parts in, in their just-in-time inventory systems. And, and it does show that global, the, the the globalization of our economy does is not only robust but it's also fragile. Absolutely. I mean, the integration across the globe has been, you know, never been more highlighted than than it is now for sure. So. Let's go back to this to the digital transformation of sales and marketing. Um, we pump out a ton of of content in different forms and flavors to the market, both to our partners, through our partners, to the end users, and those buyers. Do we have not only do we have to think about which tools do we use, but do we have to think about our presentation of information as well? Does that have to change as a result of this? I think that, you know, two questions in there and both equally important, you know, one of them to watch out for is all of us are in the same boat right now, right? There's, there's no company that's at a, at a more of an advantage or disadvantage than the other. Um, and as we look at the channel and partners, and especially those partners that have, you know, multi-vendor strategies, now it's also a race for, um, you know, how many webcasts or podcasts or, you know, tactics can a partner take from multiple vendors coming at them at the same time? So now it's an innovation game. And to your point, how do we deliver the content or the material or the virtual conference or whatever that tactic is 
to our partners such that it's so meaningful and impactful and innovative that they're going to prioritize, you know, SAP over someone else for that matter. So I think partners are going to struggle with where they spend their time and, you know, how much time can you actually spend, you know, on webinars and all that kind of stuff. So the innovation game is more important than it's ever been before. Yeah, it really does make me wonder how many webinars can and will somebody watch in a day? Exactly. You know, how, how do you differentiate yourself so much that you're delivering a really high value and something that's actually going to generate leads and demand gen where those partners will pick up, you know, your material versus someone else's um, and prioritize that. And that's, that's going to be tough. I was having a conversation last week with, um, with the founder of a uh, TCMA company uh, through channel marketing uh, automation platform. And uh, really interesting. The point that he made was that his customers are vendors because partners won't buy the applications. They won't buy the the marketing resources. Does that have to change if we're all rethinking our our go to market footing? That partners need to put more skin in the game on these digital marketing resources. Well, it's actually a very good question and debate. You know, as we go out and we do market research in terms of what do our partners look like and what do their organizations look like, you're absolutely right that uh, you know a lot of them have not yet invested in marketing organizations and in digital. They do rely a lot on the vendors to do that. That's not going to change in the short term. You know, there's not going to be this influx of partners being able to go get more headcount and more budget for people to put those those folks in place. So I still think it's heavily reliant on the vendors to enable them and to give them the tools they need and to make this transition seamless. It goes back to what you and I've talked about for the last six months, right? It's partner experience, customer experience. You know, it's SAP's responsibility to make sure we're having a seamless partner experience and helping them through this. I wonder though, will what we've been talking about and for everyone who's listening in, Megan and I have frequent conversations about the the intertwined nature of the partner and the customer journey. Uh, will we have to redesign or rethink what that journey is and what experience means? Absolutely. And I think, you know, certainly in the short term, everything goes out the window in terms of what the rules are, right? So, you know, customer journey, well, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, we used to start with awareness and consideration and how do you get air cover and then you go down from there. I think in the short term with absence of events and high touch customer, you know, in person, we're going to have to shift our thinking and our dollars more towards how do you get leads and demand gen and be able to hand that off to partners very quickly versus, you know, going out right now and doing some air cover. So it's, it's a shift in kind of where do you spend your dollars in the short term to make up for lost pipeline that you're you're going to lose from those uh, absence of conferences? Well, let's let's shift on this because there's a lot that's going to happen uh, over the next several weeks. I I suspect there's going to be an amplification of things that we've been doing, maybe as a secondary or an ancillary means of lead generation or account nurturing that are going to be pushed into the fore. But I also suspect that we're going to see a lot of experimentation. Instead of being able to go to an event, maybe we're going to try something different. Maybe we're going to try online whiteboarding sessions, or maybe we're going to try to push more video to market. I, I don't even know, you know, God knows millennials will come up with something new and innovative that's, that old people can't, like me can't think of. Um, what if we discover, though, that we didn't need these big events? What if we discover that we don't need to have 
blogs and podcasts and maybe there's something else that's better out there. Do we abandon what we've always been doing? Well, I think a lot of lessons learned are going to come out of this. And as we spoke about earlier, there's going to be an acceleration of innovation in the short term. And you're absolutely right. It's going to be tools and tactics we hadn't thought before. I mean, God knows we may all be TikToking in the next two weeks. <laughs> oh, God help us. God, please, please, let's take that back right now. <laughs> I think, though, you know, going back to kind of human nature and how we connect with each other and how we are hardwired, I really don't think we're ever going to replace the value and the need for human interaction and face to face network building, friendship building. At the end of the day, people still do business with who they trust and who they like and who they respect. So I don't think it's ever going to fully go away. I think we're just in a short term uh, kind of transition right here that will actually be quite good for us because it will uncover some innovations and some new tactics uh, faster than we may have done otherwise. You know, it's and in the meantime, we'll also be able to enjoy better traffic conditions in the Bay Area. (laughs) And that is a benefit to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, Megan, thanks so much for joining us today. That's, you know, some trade insights. Always enjoy conversations with you. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate the time. Uh, and everyone, thanks. That's all the time we have for this edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Megan Sullivan, Head of Global Partner Marketing and SME at SAP, for joining us. And I also want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is the leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news and analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Pod 2112. You don't want to miss a single conversation with the executives and thought leaders shaping the world around us. You can subscribe to Pod 2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Pod 2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh.